Let's go ahead and open with prayer. Jim, if you would open us with prayer. Lord, thank you for a good night. Help us to learn what we need to improve our relationship with you. Uh, bless Troy as he speaks. Uh, give him the right words in your name. Amen. All right, would anyone be willing to share their testimony? Five minutes tops. I will cut you off. <laughs> what? Beautiful, Betty. You're on the hook. All right. No, 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 no. Oh no. You're up. I was 11 years old when we had a family gathering for my grandma's birthday. My aunt and uncle and cousin had accepted the Lord as their Savior prior to this event. They had invited their pastor over to speak to all of us at the party. My mom came from a family of seven children, so there was an abundance of family members there. I remember the pastor having myself, my sisters, and my cousins that were there at the time go into my grandparents' room. He asked us all to kneel down beside their bed and explain the plan of salvation to us. He told us what um, we needed to say and believe in order to know that we would be with the Lord when we died. He said the words for us and had us repeat them after him all together. However, one of my cousins, cousins and I were looking up from our prayer and giggling at each other. So. <laughs> I am not sure how much time passed after that time, but I know it wasn't long. I started to question whether or not I was sincere in what I said or repeated at the time I was saying the words. I know that I believed it, but in my child's mind, I thought that maybe God would think I wasn't sincere in what I said because of my attitude during the time I called out to him. I stood in my bedroom one afternoon and prayed again for Christ to be my Savior. I didn't want to take any chances that God really knew I believed I was a sinner and that he sent his son to die for me so that I could spend eternity with him. All right, last week, if you were here, we uh, discussed the topic of the discipline of devotion. So the topic, the overall topic is developing an intimacy with God growing in our relationship with him. And we discussed last week the, dis- the discipline of devotion or Bible study. And we looked at why we should study our Bible, and I gave you four reasons, and they were all rooted in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. So the first was because of its unique author, that is that all Scripture is God-breathed, it's written by God. Number two, because of our unique relationship to that author, we are servants of God. And because we are servants of God, we have a unique relationship to him that we can even understand this. I think it's uh, 1 Corinthians 2 talks about that uh, the gospel is foolishness to those who, who are unbelievers. But those who are believers, it is the wisdom of God. Number three, because of its unique process, it has a unique patented process for, make, for accomplishing its result. And that process is fourfold. God's word is useful for teaching, that is, telling you what you need to know and believe. Doctrine, doctrine is a good thing, we're all theologians. Theology isn't a bad thing. Rebuking, that is, telling us where we err. Correcting, getting us back on the path. Course correcting, and then training in righteousness, telling us how to live. And then lastly, the result of that lifelong process 
is that we would be spiritually mature so that the servant of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And then we talked about how we should study the Bible and simply put in a general sense, daily study, continual meditation, and then on a more specific level, we looked at observation, uh, observation, interpretation, application. Observation is what does the text say? Interpretation is what does it mean? Application, what does it have to do with me? And then we gave, we looked at four rules for Bible study. Context is king. The text, uh, we can't ever know what it means now until we know what it meant to them then. Scripture interprets scripture. Or we could say it in a little bit fancier term. We have to interpret the Bible canonically so that we, we talk about it. The scripture, all 66 books are a canon, a closed canon. So we interpret Genesis in light of Revelation and vice versa. We look at all of scripture. And I use the illustration of Genesis 3.15. We all know that the seed of the woman there is Jesus. But we only know that when we interpret it canonically, right? Because if you just read Genesis 3, none of us would have a clue what that is or who that is. And then lastly, there's only one meaning in a text, but there can be many applications. Just like we looked at Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And we looked at that is not meaning abort that from its context. And that means you can pray real hard and you can lift up a truck. That doesn't mean that God wouldn't and occasion give you supernatural ability. I'm not trying to su- suggest that never happened, but that is not the normal way God operates. That is not what that particular passage is suggesting. It's that when you look at it in context, it has one meaning, and that meaning is something to the effect of, in any circumstance in which you find yourself, God gives you the strength to obey him. Because that context, Paul is talking about, Hey, I had a lot and I had a little, and any and every circumstance I found a way to be content. It does not mean I pray real hard and I lift up a truck. But that one meaning can have many contexts or many applications because for Mallory it might have one meaning, for me it might have, or I'm sorry, application, for me it might have another, for Carol it might have another application um, because we all have slightly different circumstances in our lives. But now we're going to transition. We're still talking about developing intimacy with God. And we're still talking about discipline, which discipline in the life of a Christian is a good thing, not a bad thing. It's not legalism. It is a good thing. But today we want to shift our focus to prayer. So tonight our goal for our discussion is this, to discover what prayer is, why we should pray, and how we should pray. So what prayer is, why we should do it, and how we should do it. <clears throat> so, what is prayer? Communicating with God. Okay. Communicating with God. Just communicating, but also a, a means of worshiping him and extolling 
Yeah. Amphibolias. Okay. That's certainly maybe that's certainly what we would do when we pray. Hopefully. We should it's be. It's not all about God give me this, God give me that. Right. And we'll look at that later on and how. But it pro I mean, maybe this question catches you off guard because as Christians we just especially for those of us who've just grown up in the Christian with Christian families and in the church, we've never thought about, well, what is prayer? So what is it? Is prayer the same thing as me and Betty having a conversation? Sort of. But there's kind of a distinct difference, right? Other than I would be present and she would be present. I don't... Now, some of you might cast stones at me for being so definitive here and I will confess I'm not quite as definitive as I'm going to be in what I say but I do have a little wiggle room here but I think that prayer is talking to God as opposed to communicating with God because and I know that sounds like I'm splitting hairs, but communicating with God assumes that I'm communicating to him and he's communicating back to me. And I don't think that is the standard operating procedure of God. God has communicated to us. How has he communicated to us? Primarily through the Bible. So when we, when we pray, we are, if I could put it this way, what prayer is, is it's us talking to God and it is not us hearing from God. Now, I have to throw the blanket caveat that, like, I don't know all the ways that God works, right? And I just know that the normal way in which God operates is he communicates to us through the word and we communicate to him through prayer. So I understand and I do in my theology have some wiggle room here, but... Standard operating procedure is this. We're not waiting to hear from God in a still small voice when we pray. So prayer isn't getting in touch with ourselves. It isn't meditation or some sort of new age yoga. It is not hearing from God. Hearing from God primarily happens the normative way is through his word today. I would, and, and here maybe to further my caveat, I don't want to keep going down this road because I hate caveats, but it's kind of important. If in my wiggle room, in my fuzz, okay, if in my fuzz I allow for some sort of other means of communication, which whatever that is, it has to always be in coordination and keeping with God's word, right? Always. You know, and here, I guess, let me give you an illustration of what I'm talking about. Mallory and I uh, had, Caden was probably a year old. I want to say this was 2011, maybe. Yeah. And we had just went to Florida. And Caden had an allergic reaction to penicillin. And we, so we get off the, like, he's, he puked. We were at this, rest, this uh, prime rib place. We all gorged ourselves. 
except for him. He can't. He wouldn't eat very well, and he normally was a good eater. He came. We got back to the condo, and he just chundered all over everything. <laughs> and we're like, "What in the world?" We get home <laughs> through my panic attack on the airplane, which I still don't understand how that happened. That's a story for another day. We get home. Caden reacts. Like, all of a sudden we get home and Caden has all these, like, sores all over his body. And I don't remember. What's the fancy name for that? Yeah. And so we take him to the emergency room. And then we take him to the doctor. And then we take him to the emergency room. And a couple weeks later, this lady at our church says, Hey, I was laying in my bed in Mexico two weeks ago. And... God just laid you on my heart, and we were praying for you. I mean, it's someone that we didn't cross paths with a lot. Now, is our name and our son's name written in the pages of God's Word for her to... to, So that's the type of communication fuzziness that I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about new revelation... Right? Okay, so we get that. Anyway, prayer is talking to God... Not hearing from God. And talking to God, it's to God the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. So it's to God, through the Son, by the Spirit. Let me give you a couple texts to support that. The main one is Ephesians 2 verse 18. For through Him, that is through Jesus Christ, we both have access to the Father by the Spirit. Ephesians 2.18 For through Christ we have access to the Father by the Spirit. Romans 8.27 says this, and just listen, you don't have to write this one down, but listen to the connection between the Spirit and God the Father. And He who searches our hearts, that's God the Father, knows the mind of the Spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God there's a tight connection between the spirit and God the father they get each other they know each other they they are united in will and purpose and so the spirit can intercede on our behalf what is that passage again that's Romans 8 verse 27 and we'll come back to that so what is prayer it is talking to God so therefore If this is true, that prayer is talking to God, and it's to God through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit, what do you think that that, a a fair conclusion would be about who can pray? Only believers, right? Now, I'm not suggesting that an unbeliever can't cry out to God, and God might not, in His grace answer but only believers have a guarantee line to god right because believers have are clothed in christ they are united with christ and it is through christ they have access and they and every believer has the holy spirit right romans 8 says that if you are a believer you have the spirit So, that's what prayer is. Why should we pray? We were told to. Okay. We're commanded. That's one of my answers. And we should want to. Okay, we should want to. It strengthens that relationship we have with God. Okay. 
There's a relationship. I'll give you my answers just to calm any nerves that you might have. Praise. Okay. It helps us it helps us trust him more. How? When um, when we see um, how prayers are answered. So when we're yeah, when we're praying for others or and that and it's such a blessing to pray for others and then be able to see how God works. Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking of um, <coughs> specifically of Philippians where we're told to ask of everything through prayer and the result of doing that with Thanksgiving is that God will give us peace mm-hmm. um, that surpasses understanding mm-hmm. through Christ Jesus. I mean, that's yeah. pretty good thing. Yeah. There's so much that that we're given as a result of talking to God, especially yeah. during adversity. Mm-hmm. Show their dependence. On yeah. So you all have said many of the things that I have written down, but just for sake of uh, making sure I cover, I'm going to just tick off some of these because prayer is powerful. <clears throat> Why should we pray? Because it's powerful. Now, I'm going to confess to you, and we'll talk about this a little bit later. I don't get the whole complexity of this. I don't understand fully the mystery of this. But God tells us in James chapter 5, verse 16, that prayer is powerful. The second half of that verse says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I'm thinking, what? We'll get to that later. But prayer is powerful. It has effect. Maybe I could put it this way. Um, Prayer is God's ordained means to accomplish his ordained ends. Prayer is God's ordained means to accomplish his ordained ends. Yes. I had mentioned earlier that it's an act of worship, and I, I can't help but be reminded of um, how our the prayers of the saints are like a, an aroma, mm-hmm. pleasing aroma going up to the Lord. Yeah. So it, it's we should pray because it pleases Him. Too. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So prayer is powerful, so we should pray because it's powerful. James five sixteen. Prayer is God's ordained means to accomplish his ordained ends. Number two, prayer is commanded, as my dad said. And you could look at a ton of texts, but here's one, Colossians 4.2. It says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Colossians 4.2. So it's powerful, it's commanded. Another one that I thought of is prayers assumed. And here's, here's, uh, let me tease that out for a second. Prayers assume, listen to Jesus in Matthew 6, before he actually gives um, what 
Pastor Ken called, I believe it was the disciples' prayer, right? Is how he, he termed it. Listen, he says this three times in verse 5, 6, and 7. He says, and when you pray, but when you pray, and when you pray. Verse 9, this then is how you should pray. There's an assumption that Jesus makes that his disciples are going to pray. That they are going to communicate to God. So, kind of like we looked at a couple weeks ago when we talked about baptism, that an unbaptized believer is like not even conceived of in the New Testament, I would say that a prayerless believer is is also not conceived of in Scripture. It, it's just, it's not really possible. I mean, technically, maybe it could kind of be, but it, it, it's hard to conceive of a, of a believer being a prayerless believer. So, this is where I can't remember who said it, but someone said something about a relationship. And so I think about re, uh, about prayer in the context of a relationship. And you have to think that prayer is assumed, right? Because if we have a relationship with God, if Galatians is correct, and if Paul is correct again in Romans 8, where he describes that we have been adopted to sonship, that we can cry, Father, Father that we are God's children, if that is the case, if Jesus says that when we pray, we start by our Father, we have a relationship. And doesn't a relationship assume communication? A married relationship would really stink if there's no communication. In a, in a similar way, but not obviously identical, but in a similar way, we must communicate with God. He communicates to us through his word, and we communicate to him through prayer. So prayer is powerful, it's commanded, it's assumed, it's it's all of these things that we've said. And the last thing I put is prayer is good. And we could take Stephanie's idea of prayer is a sweet, fragrant aroma to God, that he delights in it. It brings some glory. It brings some pleasure. A couple other things that I was th- along the lines I was thinking of, more implications rather than specific texts. But as I just thought through prayer, through prayer we humbly submit our will to His. So we say, God, it's Your will, not mine. That's good. That's good for us because it puts us in the right order. It puts us in the right rank. Like James 4 says, when it's talking about humility, it says at the beginning of chapter 4 that what's the source of all these problems? It's the pride within your own hearts. And then he talks about, no, you need to humble yourselves before the Lord. He talks about submitting yourselves, and that's putting yourself in the right rank. So prayer is good. Through prayer, we humbly submit our will to His. Number two, through prayer, we declare our dependence on Him. I think Linda said that, or somebody else, but I think it was her. But we declare our dependence. Because don't we all, aren't we all completely and utterly dependent on on Him? And when, I think that it's a fair conclusion that when we are not praying... We are functioning in a state, we are trying to function in a state of independence.
So number one, through prayer we humbly submit our will to his. Through prayer we declare our dependence on him. Through prayer, number three, we unite our hearts to his mission. We love the things he loves. We love the people that he loves. We love the unbelievers that he loves in a different way than he loves people. But we love those people and we reach out to those people with the good news of the gospel. We love the church. We are invested in it. We unite our hearts to God's mission. So why should we pray? A gazillion reasons. So pray. So how should we pray? Any thoughts? Okay, we should pray reverently. You're not saying that we have to use these thou's and thou shalt's. Hopefully not. Or or say God is dear God. <laughs> you know, have like a holy voice almost. Um often. Pray often. Pray reverently with Holy voices, like Jim said. I get distracted very easily. Yeah. So I have, it's better that I'm alone. Okay. No, nothing on, no noise, nothing. We're going to talk about that. Which is better to do. Yes. <clears throat> and for the same reason, I find if I write, kind of like journaling, but I'm praying and jotting things down, that helps me keep me focused. Otherwise, I am squirrel. Do you highlight it? Squirrel. <laughs> I highlight, I circle, I squiggle, I bullet. <laughs> All right, so uh, we could say uh, we should pray continually. Mm-hmm. First Thessalonians 5.17 says, in some versions, pray without ceasing. In the NIV that we use at church, it says, pray continually. Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. I won't read the whole thing, but verse 1 says this. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable, and here's the reason why. To show them that they should always pray and not give up. And then he goes on and talks about a widow who's going before an unjust judge, and she she keeps going back, and she keeps going back, and the guy finally relents, and gives her what she wants. And then he, Jesus gets down to the end of the parable and says, how much, essentially, my paraphrase, how much more would God, who is a just God, give you what you ask for? That's the God we pray to. So pray continually. Number two, pray according to his God's will. Pray according to God's will. <clears throat> 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Just stop there for a second. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. What if we flip that around, though? That if we ask anything 
Can we have confidence? No. 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 If we ask anything according to his will, we have to guarantee that he hears us. We don't have to guarantee that he answers us the way we want, but we can come boldly to his throne as we'll look um, later on. But we can come with confidence to God's throne when we are asking according to his will. And we always know that he will hear us. Then verse 15, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we had, what we asked of him. How can you know that? Because you asked according to his will. Not because you asked for a million dollars. Now, if that's according to God's will, that's great. But as I'm looking across the room, I don't think that's God's will as of yet. Romans 8, verses, verse 29. We already read this. And he who, that is God, who searches our hearts, know the, knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people. How? In accordance with the will of God. So we must be praying in accordance with the will of God. Let me give you just a practical suggestion. I find, as Aaron Kinder pointed out on Sunday in our community groups, um, he was looking over the prayer sheet and said, you know, this thing never changes. And he was looking over it, and like 90% of the prayer prayers are physical prayers, like for physical needs. Which, is that a problem? No. Like, can we pray for that stuff? Yes. But what do you think is far more important to the, the heart of God? If you compare that prayer sheet to Paul's prayer list, go look at Colossians and his prayer for the Colossian believers. They don't look a thing alike. He doesn't pray for their physical well-being. He prays for their spiritual well-being. And I'd like to suggest to you that if you want to pray with confidence according to the will of God, go look through the prayers of Paul and pray those prayers on behalf of yourself and your wife and your kids and your, your friends that are at our church. Those are the types of prayers that we can pray, and we can pray with 100% confidence knowing that God wants to work those out in us. I'll just read one for you. I believe it starts in verse 9. In Colossians 1, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. How often do you pray that for yourself, for your loved ones, and for your church family? As opposed to praying, God, please help, as my son prays every time he prays, please help help his ankle. And it's so sweet, and he prays with childlike faith, and he believes that God can heal Papa's ankle, and he should keep right on praying. But now think if if we prayed believingly that God would help us to live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that we have great endurance and patience to deal with all the junk that we got to deal with in this sin-cursed world. And that would be awesome. And God is 
He has given you His Spirit to do that kind of stuff in you. We know that that's God's will. We don't know if it's God's will for my my dad's ankle to, to be healed. So we should pray according to God's will. And when we pray according to God's will, the next one, we should pray with faith. We should pray with faith. Matthew 21, verse 22. Matthew 21, verse 22. We should pray with faith. It says, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. But hang on. Because if you took that verse... And you, and, you, and you did what I did in 1997 when I went to Russia. You know, I'm like 10th grade. And I just, I believed that God wanted me to go to Russia on a mission trip. So I, I like named it and claimed this verse. I was like, okay, I'm going to pray believing that God wants me to go on this trip. There was like no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And I prayed and God just brought the money in for me to go to this trip. Now, obviously it was God's will for me to go on this trip. I had no idea whether or not it was God's will to go on this trip. I mean, I didn't have like 100% certainty of it. But I named it and claimed it and it happened, right? So I would like to suggest that we are all careful to check our faith. Check our faith to make sure that it is rightly placed. We need to make sure that our faith is rightly placed in a willing and capable God... And what he has revealed to us in his word, rather than what our minds have crafted to be his will. So we need to check our faith to make sure that it's rightly placed in a willing and capable God and in what he has revealed in his word, rather than our, in our own idea of what God's will is. Because if not, we start claiming this verse and, hey... I believe. Jesus, I believe. Give me a million bucks. I believe you can. And then we're sitting there wondering, like, what in the heck are you doing? You didn't give me a million bucks. And then all of a sudden, who's put on trial? God. Or you have a delinquent faith. You're right. You have a, a deficient faith because your faith isn't placed in God's will. Your faith is placed in your own will. A positive example, since I had such a negative one. A positive example would be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel 3, verses 17 and 18, listen to what it says there. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. <clears throat> That's praying in faith. That's praying according to God's will. They didn't know what was going to happen, but they prayed believing that he could and that he would accomplish his will. Lastly, we should pray with confidence. Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16. And we already could go back up to the verse that we've already talked about in 1 John 5. Here's another text that supports that. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, 
but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let us then approach God's throne of grace boldly, with confidence, because we can stand united with Christ, with the Spirit's backing, and walk right into the throne room. The God who could just zap us with his scepter gives us mercy. Hebrews 4. 4, 14 through 16. So, Jim's leaving right at the perfect time because he wanted to be here for all the juicy stuff. And we're going to start that right now. So, let me ask you a couple of just kind of probing sorts of controversial questions. If for nothing, no other reason, just for the fun of it. I won't necessarily be able to have all the perfect answers, but it'll at least be fun to tease some of these out. So, don't depend on me to give you all the right answers here. So, if my prayers are powerful enough to actually accomplish things, according to James, am I somehow changing God's mind, or can I somehow manipulate him when I pray? No. I mean, Scripture does say that, I mean, God repents, He changed His mind, it sounds like. And there's some Old Testament texts that talk about God repented, almost like He regretted doing something. Well, God's sovereign will comes into play. Okay. Whatever happens was His will. Okay. So God's sovereign, that settles it. Does he does he change his mind? I think perhaps he does. But in the end it, it's his sovereign will, that's what's important. Okay. So we know God we we need to know that God cannot be manipulated. Okay? God is immutable, right? His character is never gonna change. Right. Right? We're not talking about character. Right. But we at least, but we have to at least lay some parameters, right? We have to know, like, if we're going to answer this question, we have to know that there are some things, even if circumstances change or the way he might deal with people might change, his character never changes. And in fact, I would I would suggest that while God's character never changes, God can change in his dealings with people or in his relationships in order to maintain his his changeless character because we change right I don't understand what you just said God can change in his dealings and relationships with changeable men in order to remain changeless in his character so let me give you for instance so uh, I'm going to make up a scenario that's kind of like stupid but so let's say that um, th- this is going to sound way like t- like God is capricious, like He can just change. But this isn't this is the point. This is a human illustration. So let's say Caden uh, does something 
that is just like the sweet. Okay, Hadley, let me, I'll give you a real one. Okay, so Hadley, Hadley is so Hadley today does the sweetest thing that like Mallory and I are sitting there. Caden and Hadley are playing. Caden, we're trying to like jump rope. I mean, which. Hadley is the other person trying to jump, like, hold the rope with me, and Caden's supposed to try to jump. Well, ever, she's going like this, and I'm trying to go like this, and Caden's in the middle, and every time he jumps and misses the rope, which was every time, he would completely collapse on our hardwood floor. And so Hadley, after three or four times of this, she, she kind of went up all sweet, which is not normal, Hadley. She goes up to Caden and is like, are you okay? Or something like that. I love you. And I mean, she was just so sweet and she kind of like kept going and Kane's like, no, get away. And, and, and here's Hadley. And like, so like our hearts are boiling over. We're like, oh, a little girl so sweet. And so here I am like just tickled pink because my daughter is like demonstrating love, a nice godly character quality, a fruit of the spirit, even though she doesn't have the spirit, but she's she's demonstrating good things for her brother. Yet at the same time, she sits there and refuses to eat her dinner and annoys the mess out of me and directly disobeys. Now, my relationship and my dealings with her, if I am going to maintain a right character... Obedience, disobedience. I have to change the way I deal with that in order to maintain a right character. So I'm not going to go and spank her or give her time out for being loving, right? But I would if she is sinning and directly disobeying. And and that would be maintaining uh, my character in 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 a way different, like way bigger sort of right way God would deal with people that way so he cha- he can change the way he deals with stuff but himself his character is not going to change but he might have to change the way he deals with stuff right right he can't just deal with everything in, in like this uniform way or else he's not going to be able to maintain his holy character Dad? maybe you have a better illustration no that. no it's just we, we have a we have a young man in our church uh, in his 40s who's essentially from all human aspects is dying of lung cancer and hundreds of people are praying for him that the Lord will heal him and restore him take the cancer away however you want to pray about it hundreds of people doing that I think that if, if, let's say he were to be miraculously healed, all of us that are praying for him are going to think, oh, the Lord answered our prayer. And oh, that must have been the Lord's will for him to be healed. But if he passes away after all this time of us praying for him, that's still the Lord's will. He still answered your prayer. He's been healed. He, he's been healed, but if, if you look at it that way, yes, he's been healed. And I'm telling you, on the human plane, we're looking for the cancer to go away and him to be like we are. If that doesn't happen, that's still the Lord's will. And if he's healed, we didn't change God's mind because, in reality, that was God's will for him to be healed. And we did not change his mind 
if he passes away, because that was God's will as well. So, as he said, we pray for God's will, and sometimes we're not going to like that. But we didn't. I don't think we we sway God in any way um, to get him to <clears throat> change his mind of what he's going to do. I, mean, I don't think I don't think that works today like it did with Abraham and you know. Um, and all that. I, I, then to play the devil's advocate, why do we pray for this? Hang on, hang on. That's my next question. <laughs> so, so if we're if we're gonna say, so my question was, if my prayer, you see, you're jumping the gun, and I, but I had, I had Carol, I had, I had Carol Pantelli in my mind when I, when I wrote this. Kind of, I'm not totally kidding. I was, I did have you in my mind. We have yet. discussed this. Yes. So if my prayers are powerful enough to actually accomplish things. Am I somehow changing God's mind or manipulating it? Absolutely not. God can't be manipulated. God has a sovereign will, and he's going to accomplish his will, and he, he invites us to join that, to be part of that. But he has a sovereign will. And if God, then, is just the sovereign who's already figured out and ordained every detail, why in the world do we need to pray? So why should I pray, then, if God is sovereign over everything? He already knows what is going to happen and has ordained it all. Why should I pray if I can't change anything? Carol? Don't come to me. Carol? So why, why should we pray? We're commanded to pray. Okay. But that seems kind of lame, doesn't it? I mean, we're just commanded to pray. If prayer changes us. I think that's okay. And if you're a Christian, I mean, don't you want to talk to? I mean, God's our Father. Don't you want to be in conversation with Him daily? Okay. I wonder if there's something to. I mean, this is just something popped in my head, which is always dangerous. But I wonder if there's something to we we have this preoccupation with getting what we want. And so we look at prayer as a means to getting what we want from God. And so when we look at it that way and we say, well, why in the world do I need to pray if God's got it all under control? It's like there's almost a sense in which, well, I can't get what I want from him. So why would I pray? Now, I'm not saying that. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not trying to cast any stones here. But... I wonder if at least that that might be part of it, at least for me. Dad? If you, if you as my son need something from me, I'm not going to know about it on human plane. I'm not going to know about it unless you call me and ask me, or text me, or do whatever. All right? It's just not going to come into my mind. God knows our thoughts and everything about us. He knows what we're thinking, but He wants us to talk to him and ask him about that. Whether we get the right answer or not, or the one we're looking for, he still wants us to ask him and talk to him. And if we don't, now, if we never talk to each other, our relationship wanes. If we never talk to God, our relationship with him is going to wane. And so we need, we need to do that. We need to talk to him. Uh, if we don't, yeah, I mean, think about some of the... Were you going to say something? It does <coughs> to humble ourselves and demonstrate our dependence on him, yeah. regardless of the outcome. Yep. Yeah. 
when I, I, I'm just, I can't help but think that when I pray, it, I've learned through the years that, that I'm talking to God and I'm pouring my soul out to Him. So I say things to God that I don't say to anybody else. And for me, it's it's an act of both faith, but it's also an act of utter um, worship. I keep going back to worship. It's it's a form of worship, saying, and and requires an attitude of utter, like like you said. Humility, just the, the idea that mm-hmm. that I can talk to my Creator yeah. is in and of itself such privilege and mm-hmm. such. I, I don't know. I just I view I guess I view it differently yeah. than the than you know I I kind of get sad when I when I hear prayers that are nothing but wants mm-hmm. because really. Like, like your dad said, it really, it's all in God's hands anyway. And if we look at it shallowly, like, well, why bother praying if everything's already in sovereign will? Well, if you look at it that way, that way, that's how you're, that's the conclusion you're going to draw. But right. it's more than that. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I say things to God I wouldn't say to anybody. <clears throat> I don't tell. I don't pour my heart out to people like I do to my God. It's different. Does that answer the question? <laughs> <laughs> we can be talking about this for hours. Well, there's really not like this. <clears throat> there's not a, a a perfect answer that's gonna like a satisfying answer that's just gonna like you know. <clears throat> It's just, there's but not going to be. There's know why we do it. Yeah, there, but there's not going to be a satisfying answer if we for couch everybody. it in these it's terms. Not a satisfying answer right. for everybody. Right. Some people are able to to just accept that with no problem and just move on. And there are others of us in this room who really struggle. I don't with, know who you're talking about. <laughs> um, that that we just we just kind of wanted to keep beating that one up and coming. Yeah, but the problem but the problem is is that. God still told you to pray, and and your inability. I mean, this is gonna. I mean, I hate. To, I'm not trying to be um, unkindly direct, but you have you have to get your hat. You have to submit your thinking to God's thinking. You have to think God's thoughts after Him, and you're not going to get it all. You can't. You can't. Um, assume the position of the uh, omniscient one. Say, okay, God, you've got to fall in line with the way I think, and only until you make full, perfect sense to me am I going to believe you and am I going to obey you. That doesn't mean, because if I if I defined faith accurately in, uh, five or six <laughs> weeks ago, faith is knowledge of facts, it's agreement with facts, and it's then trust. So it's not a mindless, blind... Faith is not a blind thing. But 
that doesn't mean that there's not a mysterious aspect to this Christian life in the fact that we worship and serve an omniscient God and we don't get it. I mean, that's why the end of Romans, I mean, <clears throat> this is worth trying to find. Yeah, I... I both the depth of the wisdom, both the knowledge, and... Is that one you Keep look? going. <laughs> Both the depth yeah. of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments, and unfathomable his ways. Yeah. Who has known the mind of the Lord. Who has known the mind of the Lord. Or who has been his counselor, who has ever given to God, that God should repay him. For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. At the end of the day, we got to sit there. And it's in your hands. I don't get it all. Because I'm not omniscient. So, so, moving to a practical side. What are some hindrances or obstacles that keep you from praying regularly as you ought? This table's been awfully quiet, so I might... Just give me a fair warning. (laughs) (laughs) What are some hindrances, Pete? Day-to-day distractions. Okay. getting too busy to to even think about it when you should, should just stop you know, and, and take the time it's getting every last second of sleep <laughs> lost in tail to the shower <laughs> brushing your teeth not even eating breakfast zooming a kid off to school zooming to work go 500 miles an hour you get home just in time for dinner, play with kids for an hour and a half, get them ready for bed, put them to bed, and collapse in a heap. <laughs> for those of us who have children. Right? And so by the time you collapse in a heap, <laughs> good luck getting your brain back in gear so that you can read, pray, right? No. All things you shouldn't do at night before bed. <laughs> I can attest to that. What are difficulties? So, so obviously there's lots of hindrances to actually praying. But when you do actually make it to that point where you can pray, <clears throat> what difficulties do you encounter then? And Sally, Sally already. <laughs> what was yours? I'm distracted. Yeah. I mean, you're like, zoom, zoom. At least, oh, I mean, I don't know what you're like. Maybe maybe you're thinking, I mean, I'm just always, my mind is, as Mallory can sadly attest to, I mean, like, I've got usually 15 things going on in my mind simultaneously. I mean, probably not, but I'm probably, that's probably not humanly possible. But I have too many things going on in my brain at the same time. And so it's really hard for me to just, like, zero in on what's going on. And I find that to be the same thing. Here's some things that have helped me. Praying out loud. Oh, yeah. For sure. So I, I like, my new favorite spot in life when I was pastoring my office was my favorite spot because I could just shut my door and pray and but now there's no privacy in my life ever so the only place I have privacy in my life and Mallory's 
her privacy is even worse. So you have a car ride to yeah. Work. So I have a car ride. I have a car. I don't and, want to get the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> she goes away, and then you just she she doesn't emerge from the bathroom for like a half an hour. And you're like, huh. Yeah. <laughs> Wonder what she's doing in there. But yeah, my car has become my new favorite spot. So I I I. Uh, it's helpful to me to pray out loud. It's helpful to me. I don't out. I don't uh, manuscript my prayers, but sometimes I outline my prayer. Um, and I use uh, Pastor Dorn used to use this acrostic. I'm sure he probably still does. The pray acrostic: praise, repent, ask, and yield. I think that's it, right? It hasn't changed that. So, praise, repent, ask, and yield. And I know that some people might be opposed to using a form in their prayer to try to, but I say all that's hogwash. I mean, it, it's super helpful to me because then I can, I can, for me, someone who's not an artsy fartsy guy, but someone who's really outlined, structure oriented, that's incredibly helpful for me to keep me moving and not going zing, zing, zing with my thoughts. So I pray out loud. Outline my prayers. Use the pray acrostic. Um, any other suggestions that? Years might? ago, I read a book on prayer that was authored by a woman. <coughs> it's significant because she said that she would also get very distracted when she prayed, thinking of the things that she had to do. I mean, that's I think a lot of us you, know, you, you get quiet and you start, you know, directing your thoughts to her. Oh, I got to empty the dishwasher, and oh, I got to pull the roast out to defrost, and we tend to. To, you know, these thoughts intrude. And her thing was, instead of getting upset with yourself, keep a pad of paper by you, jot them down as you think of them, and then get back to what you're doing, rather than letting them distract you or letting the, it worry you or make you anxious, jot it down and get back on task. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not so much a jotter, I never was, <clears throat> but I did, um, like, I, I drive for a living, so of course my best and favorite times to pray are when I'm shuttle. Well, when I'm in the shuttle, but I just I do have to make sure there's no one in it. <laughs> be a great, done that before. Could be a great witnessing opportunity. Well, yeah. Peeking through the mirror and I did, start I, preaching yeah. the gospel through your. I prayer. had that happen where I prayed and thought my shuttle was empty and. Was praying out loud because I do that yeah. too. And I had a gentleman in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty, you know. <laughs> Are you gonna drop me off? <laughs> but um, also, I I've learned through the years to. My brain's kind of like yours; it goes ping like a pinball machine, and um, people come into my mind all the time. I mean, from all situations and I just made it a point to pray for them mm-hmm. at that very second. I don't know why God puts them in my mind. Yeah. But I just make it a point to pray for them. So I think I think one of the uh, freeing things for me and I hate to just bring it back to me, but I it's hard to teach from someone else's experience about something that's so like experience oriented in prayer. But and so practical, but something that's been freeing to me is to not, I'm not suggesting that a, the discipline of like alone prayer, you know, 
for a period of time is is a bad thing or that you shouldn't try to do that. But we have a unique privilege to just pray. We don't we're not bound by by location to pray. I mean, mm-hmm. I can pray while I drive my car to work. And I can pray while I go up the elevator and I can pray when I'm sitting in my office and I can pray when I'm you can pray all the time. Mm-hmm. And and I don't I don't we should think about that like pray continually thing as like it's a it's a uh, a posture of our heart towards God where we're just constantly crying out to him, constantly seeking him. Um, so arrow prayers where you think of somebody and yeah. you just you know you just pray for that person, um, and it doesn't have to be a dear God and in Jesus name. It's you know it's just that attitude of you know Lord help that person. I don't know why I'm thinking about them, but something yeah. could be going wrong um, with them, yep. and it doesn't have to be formal. Yep. And when you do that, you're it's you're, you're better able to move on to whatever right. is intruding in your thoughts. You know whatever you get. So the application, pray. (laughs) Talk to God. And do so with confidence because you're praying according to his will. So let's pray. Father, we know that it is your will for us to be uh, people of prayer. If we have your spirit residing within us, if we have been united with your son, we have access to you that is just an unbelievable privilege. So would you help us to be people of prayer, people who are connected to you through prayer, that we talk to you, that we hear from you in your word and we communicate to you through prayer and that we would um, demonstrate and declare our dependence upon you, that we would uh, seek to see your will accomplished and that we would pray with confidence. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen.